Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee Conversations with Adele. I'm your host, Adele Tevlin, and I am so thrilled to be bringing to you this new season, this new ideation of my podcast. In each podcast episode, I am going to be featuring a guest, a friend, a colleague in the space, a thought leader, someone who I would be having coffee with, and you can be getting the behind the scenes of what it's really like to sit down and have a real conversation with me and some of these amazing human beings. The purpose of this podcast is for you to deeply connect uh, with me and the people in my life that I care deeply about, for you to get to know something about me that you don't already know, and for you to gain a new perspective. Every every, uh, podcast guest that I feature will push the boundaries in bringing a new perspective, which allows you to tap into a new point of view. So I can't wait to dive into today's episode. In today's episode of Coffee Conversations, I got the pleasure of being interviewed, actually, by one of my students, um, Dr. Liza Klassen, and it was an incredible conversation that she interviewed me, actually, for um, one of her fertility programs, and we decided to also put this on Coffee Conversations because it was just such an incredible episode. So let me tell you a little bit about Liza. Liza's a fertility-focused naturopathic doctor at Yin Still Reproductive Wellness in Vancouver, BC, and the founder of Cycle With Your Cycle, a four-week transformational program for your reproductive health, which I took and it was phenomenal. It is her mission to help women reconnect with their bodies, their inner knowing, and their cycles. She believes deeply that when, when women deeply know and trust themselves, they make empowered decisions, and when these women become mothers, they can change the health of generations to come. Whether you desire conception soon, Now or someday, she is committed to helping you achieve the fertility and hormonal health that you deserve. So let's dive into this very juicy, very vulnerable, very awesome episode. Welcome Adele, my friend, my mentor, and a fellow woman on a fertility journey. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today on the energetics of conception. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for Um, having me. I'm so excited about this conversation. It's like my life. (laughs) And yeah, and on that note, um, can we start by you just sharing a bit about your personal fertility journey and how you got to this place where you feel like you have this insight on the energetics of conception? Oh my goodness. Um, yes, all the things. So, (laughs) so I'm 42 years old. Um, I'm a mother to a seven year old uh, named Elia, who is the love of my life. And my conception story is really interesting. And I think so much bleeds into, you know, the way that you and I came to this conversation was, um, you being in my work and me doing your program and so much of what I have discovered about the fertility journey has been really interesting over the last several years. So sort of to go backwards, I conceived my first child uh, very naturally, actually accidentally, so to speak. Um, I was 35 years old, 34 years old, rather, um, had him at 35, you know, hadn't thought of it, conceived very naturally, um, had a very easy pregnancy, beautiful pregnancy. I worked out every day you know, all the things had a very beautiful labor. It was an initiation into becoming the woman that I am today, for sure. When I think back to when my journey to massive transformation happened, it was around the time of my son's birth. And I had my son with a previous partner, so not the man that I'm married to today, and um, was a single mother around when Elia was three months old. So was very much doing it on my own, all that kind of fun stuff. 
uh, fast forward to met my current husband and we are now married. We've been together for five years. And, um, during the pandemic, we, it was my 40th birthday. It was the middle of lockdown. So it was like, it was just all the things, all, all the things happening at once. And, um, we were living in Toronto. So things were really, really locked down at that time. And uh, we had gotten pregnant, Dave and I, um, also not, hadn't tried just like, kind of like, weren't trying, weren't not trying and realized I was pregnant. And I think you'll appreciate this about me. People are like, I catch my pregnancy when I'm like three weeks pregnant. Like I know my body, like I can feel the difference in my breasts. I can sort of energetically feel like both times. So I was pregnant twice before, sorry, once before having Ilya, then had Ilya. And both of those pregnancies, I knew I was pregnant intuitively. Mm -hmm. And I did a pregnancy test so early that like no one would even, even think to go do that. So the same thing happened when Dave and I conceived at that time. Um, I just like went, I'm like, I think I just need to go get a pregnancy test, got the pregnancy test. It was positive. We hadn't been trying great. So I ended up miscarrying um, around nine weeks during the middle of the pandemic um, on my 40th birthday. So it was, it was a really, um, it was a really challenging time. Um, the the ch- most challenging time, and you, you know that I'm very honest in what I share, was just the way that the allopathic model and the, 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 the kind of care I was receiving was really what made it really challenging. So um, I, I didn't actually miscarry naturally. I had to have a DNC because the, I wasn't having a natural miscarriage. So there was just so much around it that was quite traumatic. Um, also, just like knowing that the baby, that it, it wasn't viable and still not fully miscarrying and that kind of thing. So after that happened, um, we sort of said, okay, we're going to wait a little bit to try. And then a month later, I was pregnant again, but it was a chemical pregnancy. Okay. Um, again, how did I know? Cause I peed on a stick, like basically five minutes after conceiving. And, but then when I went to do my testing, my HCG wasn't rising and all the things. And so the doctor was like, it's a chemical pregnancy. All this to say, my doctor, who's a good friend of mine was like, man, you're freaking fertile. Like the minute you are in that state. So what then started to happen was we kind of stopped trying a little bit for a few months. And then we're just naturally going with the rhythm of things. And for two years, there was no sign of getting pregnant. We started to try again and we couldn't. And, but during those two years were the most stressful two years of my life, uh, not just with the pandemic, things that were going on also personally with my son's dad. Um, we were just living in this high stress environment. And even though I was you know, we were having sex during ovulation. And even though we were doing all the things, and even though nothing had really changed with me physically, Mm -hmm. I, for the life of us, we couldn't conceive. Mm -hmm. And so as most women listening to this will understand, it causes a lot of strain in your relationship, in your marriage. It causes a lot of feelings of doubt and shame and what's wrong with me and, you know, what changed. And like, this is like months apart, you know? So we, we started, we said, okay, let's go do all of our blood work with fertility clinic. Just to, at this point, what we don't know, we don't know what's going on. Is it Dave's sperm? Okay. What's going on with me? So we go to a fertility clinic in Toronto. And I think I've shared this story with you, but I'll share it for the listeners. (laughs) And this whole freaking experience was like, 
some kind of bad movie. Okay. So you go in and you feel like basically a, a, a cattle, you feel like a number. So you're like in this like rotation of you go to the doctor, they do all your, your blood work with the women. They do all these invasive tests without any kind of freezing down there. And basically we got our tests back and the doctor says, everything looks great. Dave's sperm looks great. He'll love that. I'm talking about his sperm on a podcast. (laughs) It's all good. He looks great. (laughs) You're, you're, um, what's the, what's the egg reserve thing called again? The AMH is so high for your age. Mm -hmm. Everything looks fantastic. Um, but there might be an issue with one of your fallopian tubes. It's not uh, going as quickly could have been from the DNC you had, who knows, regardless, given that you're a geriatric pregnancy, we need to get you doing IVF immediately, if not sooner, because six months from now, it won't even be an option or something. It'll be gone. Yeah. And I was basically like, fuck you very much. And like, I will take myself elsewhere. So this, the moral of that story was like, okay, so it was great to have the data and to say, okay, so there's really physically nothing wrong. That's, I think the piece that it was like, physically, there was no reason why we weren't conceiving, given that we already had twice, we already, you know, I'm fertile, his whatever. So what then started to happen was we had made the decision. We didn't want to go through IVF. I, well, I made the decision. I didn't want to go through IVF. I feel very strongly about that for my own personal reasons. Um, it was just like one of those things where I thought to myself, if this is going to happen, if conception is going to happen naturally, then I'm very happy. And if conception is not going to happen naturally, then I have loving detachment and I'm okay. We have a son and he's healthy and all the things. But what was interesting is shortly after that, Dave and I have been on a very interesting journey where we started to work with an energetics coach, uh, a sex coach, an intimacy coach. And we started to do some really deep work around the sexuality in our marriage and the polarity in our marriage, the masculine and feminine. And we started to do some deep healing around what happens in the woman's vagina and the healing of all the wounding in the vagina. And we started to do Um, yoni massages and lingam massages and really like activating those parts of our body okay Mm -hmm. that a word of a fucking lie a month into this program with this woman I had another pregnancy now again it didn't stick which you know we can talk about later which either it was chemical or the progesterone is low and but the idea is that we conceived again and I felt it again, right away. It's like, and Dave knew too. He was like, he, and, and we knew because we had done so much healing down there and we had done so much healing between us. And we had, I had, I'd really finally let go of some of the, the wounding around the miscarriage and the healing in the vagina. And, um, we had really worked on the polarity, meaning like I was living in my masculine. And as a result, the man, he was in his feminine and there is not going to be, as far as I'm concerned, conception will not happen when the woman is in her masculine and the man is in his feminine. So we can talk about that. But it was like, I literally one month into this program conceived. And so, you know, we're very much now aware that, okay, like, if we really want this to happen, we have to continue to do this deeper energetic work. And then yes, possibly be supplementing with progesterone suppositories or whatever it is that my, the hormones that are imbalanced. But the idea was that we looked at each other and we're like, this is just wild. Like we have been spending two years trying to do it. 
And in this program, um, really learning surrender, really learning to be in my feminine, really releasing so much of the stress. Like she talks so much, this woman that we've been working with around that the, the vagina, the yoni holds so much trauma. I mean, trauma from pregnancy, trauma from abortion, trauma from miscarriage, trauma from sexual violence, trauma from, you know, being with someone you don't want to be with trauma from, um, all kinds of things in the tissues of the vagina. And so because we were practicing these like vaginal massages biweekly, twice a week, I was, re- I felt like I would have tears or I'd cry at times because it was releasing stuff. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's a lot. It's a lot. And I think that story is so relatable for so many women, right? These ups and downs. It's, it's not just infertility where you can't conceive. There's this, there's this process of conception and live birth and miscarriage and abortion and chemical pregnancy. Right. And through that, and even just through the months of trying to conceive over and over again and not getting that positive pregnancy test, those are micro traumas that build up over time. And I think that we don't hold space for how hard that is on women's bodies. And I think now you're talking about this idea of acknowledging that and releasing that and then creating the space again for that conception to happen. Absolutely. I love how you just said the micro traumas. It's funny because it is like, a trauma isn't just, so there's the, the emotional trauma, the physical trauma, and there's the energetic trauma. There's the trauma on every plane of understanding. There's this idea of like the hope and the wish that's not fulfilled, the hope and wish that's not fulfilled, the hope. And it's like this cycle of, and then, and then each month it's like more shame, more guilt, more, and the regret of not trying sooner. And all the things that women in their forties, like you said, who is often your ideal client, it's like, okay, like what if Dave and I would have tried at 37, you know, or 38 and you just start going down this, this rabbit hole. And so, and then the allopathic model, which has its, you know, serves its purpose. Absolutely. But there's no bedside manner. There's no compassion. There's no understanding. Like there's nothing, there's nothing beyond like, these are your hormones. Let's do IVF or IUI. There is no talk about what are the stressors in your life. There is no talk about what's your nutrition. Like there is no talk about you know, what's the quality of your sex and intimacy? Like there is no talk about trust and safety. Cause one of the things I came to really realize is a woman can't get pregnant unless you feel safe. Oh my God. Like a hundred percent. And, and I think women don't feel safe. Like fundamentally we don't feel safe. We don't feel safe in our bodies, right? We don't feel safe or held by our environment and our partners. I think that's a lot because we don't allow them to, but women and the women I see particularly over and over again, like that's a, such a strong theme is we don't feel safe. Yeah. Um, and, and I think part of it is that that allopathic model perpetuates that in some ways. It disconnects us from our body, right? It makes it look at us like we have a problem, right? It makes us at our bodies versus with our bodies. And I think that your experience through the miscarriage and through the IVF investigations also not uncommon at all, right? This idea of feeling like cattle, waiting for your number to be called, having procedures done on you that you haven't consented to or fully understand, right? And in that process, again, causing, like I would suggest that's adding to the micro traumas that are building up through this process. I mean, there's a few things that you said that are important. Like one, not only do we not feel safe in our body, but then there's the environmental triggers and things of safety. Like if you're not feeling safe in your relationship in that moment, 
that's an example. Or maybe there's other stressors going on in your life that you're not feeling safe. Or maybe there's financial strain going on in your life and you don't feel safe. And the subconscious mind is going like, are you really prepared to bring life into this world? Yeah. And evolutionarily, right. Our bodies perceive stress as like a physical threat. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. And in our modern world, the the threat is like an email or traffic or a relational stress. Right. But but if you think about it, like, why would your body allow you the possibility of conception and pregnancy and then being in charge of another life if the environment around you is unsafe? That makes no sense. Exactly. But that was the thing I had to reconcile for myself as to when I thought back to, you know, me as a scientist, I think, and I contemplate like what was the difference between this time, this time, this time, and this time. Mm -hmm. And when I really boiled it down, it was the safety I felt in myself. It was the safety I felt in my marriage and my relationship and how strongly connected we were. And it was the safety I felt in my environment. And all of those, when I felt with, when Dave and I were started this program around really restoring our intimacy and really deeply connecting and really reversing our mixed up polarities, my body actually felt the safest it's ever felt because a woman doesn't feel safe in her masculine. And, you know, I talk about this at nauseum, but when it relates to fertility, I say, this is an absolute. Yeah. Like when you're needing to, to grind and force and push and manipulate and control, that is literally a cue that you don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so when a woman is in her hyper-masculine state, and then as a result, the polarity switches in the marriage where it's like, if you're in your masculine, your partner has to be in their feminine. It's not just a gender thing. It's like, if there's two women that are in a relationship together, one has to be in the masculine, one's in the feminine. There has to be polarity for chemistry. Mm-hmm. When, when I'm in my masculine, my partner, it pushes him into the feminine. But when a man who wants to be in his masculine gets pushed into his feminine, he gets really angry. Mm-hmm. And then when he's angry and you're in your masculine, like, and you're trying to have a baby, the whole thing's fucked up. And I see this across the board, probably if we were to interview every one of your patients who has this issue, she's probably hyper-masculinized, basically go-getter, type A personality, successful, yada, yada, running a mile, hundred miles a minute. Her partner who wants to be the man of the house doesn't know how to be because there's no room for him to be in the masculine. Then you're having sex. Like it's, it's like for procreation. Oh, it's it's scheduled every other day, this time of day. Yeah. Yeah. Basically like perfunctory sex. It's not intimate sex. It's not connected sex. It's not the surrendered opening that a woman needs to feel and the man, you know, being in his masculine and, you know, the primordial sex. It's yeah, we have to have sex because I'm ovulating. Yeah. And then it becomes this kind of then hyper. Then it kind of activates that reverse polarity even more because then the man might, you know, Dave would say this, like he would then feel like what's wrong with me that I can't do this for my, for us. Like, this is my primary function as a man, you know, and then this is my primary function as a woman. And so there's so much energetically, emotionally, psychologically that gets mixed into it. And so just dealing with fertility, you know, at the baseline of like your hormones and not addressing the emotional stuff, the micro traumas, like you said, the, the grief, the, the shame, the guilt, the regret, the things that are going unconsciously, it's, it's missing, I think three quarters of what there is to address. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree with that. And I think it's interesting because the women I see in my office, this is what they want to talk about. 
This is the part that isn't being addressed in their other forms of care. And this is what they are constantly bringing. And they don't necessarily have words to put to it, right? But it is this idea of, like, I feel so disconnected, the over-control, the need, like, what's the next solution? What's the next step, right? The, like, hyper-vigilance, right? The frustration with their partner, that their partner isn't showing up more, that they can't perform when they need to perform, right? And, like, that's just the kind of... Those are just the expressions of what you're talking about, right? This hyper-masculine and then being forced into this kind of feminine space as a man. Yeah. And I think absolutely. And I, so there's a couple of things that you're saying that are leading me to think of something. So in our modern, when I think about, I've thought about this a lot because it's been something that obviously I'm living through and I'm, I'm using myself as, you know, the guinea pig, as I always do in my work, which is like, Mm -hmm when I think about when I'm in my feminine, in my relationship, and this is the thing I've been working on the most, because I I believe that this is the key for our fertility personally, because if given, like I said, that the the hormones, all that seem fine. Yeah. And I just want to say too, that that is important, right? Like we need to rule out the structural physiological reasons for infertility. Like we're not bypassing that. Like that is, that is a vital part of this process. Yes. So that exactly. So that part, if that part is fine, right. For the most part. And you know, you can address the progesterone and you can, those are, that's an easy fix, but it's not like a, you know, there's not a structural issue. There's not, there's not something wrong with his sperm. There's, there's really quite literally nothing really wrong, quote unquote, with us. Okay. And so what I've been playing with, the variable I've been playing with is how deeply can I trust and surrender? How deeply, because the feminine, like you wanted us to talk a little bit about this, and I love talking about this. The feminine is energetically this idea of deep trust, deep faith, and deep surrender. And we'll talk about that because you want to just also talk about this void and relaxed receptivity that I teach about in money, but it also just relates to this. When a woman is in her feminine, she's essentially saying, I deeply surrender, I deeply trust, I deeply relax, I deeply let go. I open, I'm like a flower that opens. In the letting go, I open. So you can even think of like the vagina as opening. You can think about the cervix as opening and you can think about that deep opening, like rather than the constricting that we do, like even in our pelvic floor, we're always so constricted when we're stressed. It's like that opening. And so I've been playing with like, how deeply can I open to my partner too, like in the act of, and then the, also the feminine needs to know for her to be in that relaxed receptivity. This is important. She needs to know that the masculine can hold her. Can, can she can, if she falls, he'll catch her. So it's both. You can't flip a polarity unless two both people are working at it because quite literally it ends up sort of being a double-edged sword. Like how can I lean back and trust and fall into your arms if I don't trust that you can catch me, right? But all you can do is ever be responsible for your part. So I'm hundred percent responsible for how deeply can I surrender and let go? How deeply can I let go of control? How deeply can I let go of my timelines? How deeply can I surrender and trust into the universe, God, source, spirit, mother, nature? How deeply can I surrender into my body that knows what to do here? How deeply can I open, right? Mm -hmm. And when I play with that variable, that's the month that we conceived. Mm -hmm. And that was just last, I think that was last, I think that was last month. Yeah, it was last month. 
And so I could technically be pregnant right now. I don't know. Like, you know, so I, I play with what if I am, how do you be in the void? What if I am, I quite possibly am. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Coffee Conversations. It really means the world to me that you take time every week to listen to now a very thought-provoking conversation with me and some of my close friends and peers in the industry, a little bit of a behind the scenes, a dialogue of what it would be like to have coffee with me and some of my friends who are thought leaders in this space. And I just want you to know something that you're so worthy of success and you can have whatever it is that you desire. I believe in you and I can't wait to see you in the next episode.